1: get your worship guide out, if you will, and flip over to the back side. We're wrapping up our series this morning that we've called Reasons to Believe. And this morning, we're going to talk about the subject, why does God allow suffering? This is a question that men and women have asked literally for thousands and thousands of years. If God is all good, and if he's all powerful, then why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering in the world? If God in fact is love, then then why doesn't he just eradicate pain? Why doesn't he just get rid of all of the suffering in the world? I mean, if he's all powerful and all good, why doesn't he just get rid of it all? Just two weeks ago, I was given the name of a pastor in the Ukraine. I sat down in my office with a pad of paper and a pen and and wrote a letter, a handwritten letter to be delivered to him, hopefully to be some sort of an encouragement to him. In his country, more than 4,000 civilians have been killed and thousands more injured. Countless families have been broken apart and have fled from the country. Just about seven weeks ago, uh, a gunman walked into Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, The gunman shot and killed 19 children and two adults, wounding 16 others. Less than a month ago, a a 6.1 magnitude earthquake hit Eastern Afghanistan that took the lives of more than 1,000 people and and injured more than 1,500. I have to ask myself this question. Why do these things keep happening? Why why do things like this happen? and, and, And where is God in the middle of all of it? Why why are babies born with defects? Why do little children die? Why do wars rage all around the world? Why do people starve to death? Now, not everyone's story is quite that dramatic. But all of us know people who have similar stories that cause us to question God's goodness and maybe even cause us to question God's power. I've thought for years that, that when a baby is born into the world, it should come with instructions. If you've, had a, if you've ever had a child, you, you kind of know where I'm coming from. I, I wish that when my children were born, there was just like this instruction manual that they handed me at the hospital and said, you're going to need this. But, but it doesn't come with that. I, I kind of wish maybe even attached to the big toe of every baby when they're born there, there was kind of a a warning label, you know, that, that would say something like this. Life is full of fun. It's full of adventure, excitement and joy, but there's some side effects. There's illness There's abuse, there's broken relationships, there's betrayal, there's sorrow, there's loss, there's injuries, there's disappointment, there's heartache, there's crime, and there's eventually death. Now, for most of us, we don't anticipate that any of those things are gonna come our way. So when we get caught by pain and we get caught by suffering and and when they come knocking on our door, most of the time we're not expecting them. And when that happens, our tendency then is to say, how, God? Why, God? Why would you let this happen to me? I know these things are in the world, but man, I wasn't expecting any of them to come to my house. I've asked um, our worship pastor, Evan Henry, to come and join me on stage. And, and I would love for you just to hear a little bit uh, of Evan's journey. And so Evan's coming out um, Right now, for just a second, and I want you to hear some of the, the things that Evan uh, has walked through. We're we're so thankful that God brought Evan and Andrea to our staff this past fall. And uh, would you guys just tell Evan how much you appreciate him? Just an incredible job he does every single week. God brought you and Andrea here last fall. So thankful that you guys are on our staff. Um, how long have you guys been married now? We have been married three and a half years. Three and a half years. That's awesome. Um, as we talk about pain and suffering today, man, in the last five or six months, you guys have been through it and you guys have walked that road of pain and suffering. And so I, I wanted our church family just to hear a little bit of what you've been through. I know it's, it's easy for us as we sit out there and we watch you sing and lead us in worship with a smile and the joy of the Lord in your heart. And many times, we don't know what all is going on on the inside. And uh, t- take us back to um, November, December of last year and the uh, the difficult path that you began walking even with Andrea's family. Yeah,
2: so uh, it, around Christmas time, well, ju- just before Christmas of last year, uh, my, so my sister has a brother, I'm, my sister, my wife has a sister uh, and her sister's married they have two kids our nieces uh they're 1 and 5 and my 34 year old brother in law went to sleep and did not wake up the next morning um and you know i mean completely tragic and un and un you know unexpected s- unexpected uh so we you know we've that was that was our first loss um and we have Know, been able to come come alongside my wife's sister and and my beautiful nieces who you know don't have a dad anymore. So
1: um, so when when something unexpected just just hits out of the clear blue, you, I mean, wasn't sick, wasn't something you expected. What are some of the? And again, it's, this is a safe place. What are what are some of the the initial feelings that maybe you have, maybe even have towards God when something like that hits? Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of things. The why,
2: right, is is always always a question why, you know, why God would allow a young person to die and orphan two kids and, uh, or, you know, leave a single mom behind and, and a wife. Um, and so, you know, that's probably one of my bigger questions is why do some people, you know, leave the earth younger than, than others? And, um, you know, just really a lot of whys as far as that goes.
1: So even before you came on our staff, your mom had been sick and, and you had been walking that journey with her. And so um, going through treatment with cancer and, and all of that, and you, you your your brother-in-law passes away and then the next step of your journey was what?
2: Yeah, so my brother-in-law passed away in December. Well, around the same time, my parents had came to visit here uh, at, around Christmas time of last year. And my mom had... You know, been getting sick, or was kind of showing signs of of decline, and so I guess the story itself is is that uh, a mom was diagnosed in 2021 with a very rare form of lung cancer. She was strong as an ox, healthy otherwise, just completely out of the blue and unexpected. She started having some like pneumonia like symptoms that would not go away with antibiotics, and so they ended up doing a biopsy and finding out that she had this type of small cell lung cancer which then turned out to be uh, in the one percentile for like the profile of cancer that she had, which uh, they were using some targeted therapy for her. But there wasn't really a, you know, they staged it for because they found it in her bones. So they started treating it immediately. You know, the doctors are very optimistic that they were gonna be able to, you know, use these drugs to, to, you know, fight the cancer. And so every scan she had every three months was great it was looking good she was healing um the cancer was going away every time and christmas time uh right after you know my brother-in-law passed she started getting really sick and within you know within a matter of a couple months was gone um and just again unexpected tragic uh and you know it's just me and my dad so uh you know, our family was was significantly, you know, changed forever.
1: I mean, so you walk through this with your brother in law. You're trying to help your your sister in law and, and and nieces through that. And man, just even before you can heal from that, uh, send your mom on ahead of us to heaven. Um, and if those those two heaviness difficulties weren't enough, then tell us what happens with your grandmother.
2: Yeah. So my my grandmother ended up passing away about a month and a half after my mom. And so my dad, uh, you know, my dad lost his wife and his mom within a month and a half and I lost my mom and grandmother within that time. And so. um,
1: So you're still, you know, we, we, some of you have walked through difficulty and pain and suffering, and maybe you've come out on the other side of it, but you're still kind of in the middle of this. This is all still fresh uh, with you. What's what's God saying to you? What's God speaking to you and, and teaching you right now through this? Yeah.
2: Well, there's a couple of things, and you know, a lot of people ask how people are able to put a smile on and carry the joy of the Lord with them, you know, through seasons like this. And you know, how do you lead us in worship every week and do that? And and the answer is, you know, I'm going to give you the the classic Christian answer, but it's true. It's Jesus. That's the answer. That's why and that's how. Um, But he has, he has given, he's given my wife and I a, I guess a realization is a, a, could be the word, but a, a a realization to our faith that we have never had before. Um, And, and in that it is that there is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And so if you don't hear anything else that I say because I'm not the best speaker, but if you don't hear anything else, my one thought that I'd love to leave you guys with is that there, you, you have to realize that there is no hope outside of Jesus. There's no lasting hope. There's no real hope. You don't have a hope that you'll see your loved ones again outside of Jesus. You don't have a hope that, they're not, that there's no pain and suffering after this life on earth ends without Jesus. You don't. It isn't possible. You can put one foot in front of the other. You can wake up and your heart's still beating and you're here, but there isn't any hope. And so that's what the Lord's been teaching us. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and we've actually, you know, been given just an amazing opportunity. I don't know if you guys remember last week, but Pastor Tony shared about Bakita Heath that passed away. She was on staff here. Well, her daughters are close to uh, Andrea and my age. And so we've been able to walk alongside Sid and Drake um, because they are walking through the same season that we just walked through, you know? And so those are those are a few things that the Lord, you know, it's just sometimes it's just having a conversation of, I can relate. I can understand. It's horrible. I don't have any words. You don't have any words to make it better. You don't have anything that you can do to make it better. Um, but you have a hope that people outside of Christ don't have. And, uh, it's the finish line. Leaving this earth is the finish line and it's the win.
1: Well, I want you to know that we love you and we're so thankful that you are here. And, um, no, it wasn't easy, but thank you for sharing that with us today. Would you thank Evan for sharing this with us today? I want you to look at a passage of scripture in John chapter sixteen. John chapter sixteen, verse number thirty-three. Jesus said these words. Jesus said, I, "I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous." I've conquered the world. Now we're all familiar with that passage of scripture. It just basically tells us you're gonna have pain, you're gonna have suffering. And, and all of us at this point are kinda like, duh, yeah, I know that, I've lived it, I, I understand pain. But in that passage of scripture, Jesus didn't say, why? And, and that's our question. Our, our question is not, are we gonna have pain? Our question is, is why? Why do we have that? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? And so as we attempt to answer the question of why, this is what I want us to do. I want us to look at five different sources of suffering. Why, where where does suffering come from? We're gonna look at five different sources. And as we look at these sources, I think it will help us to understand the why behind the suffering. So here's the first source of suffering and we're gonna see them all from God's word. The first one is this. The fall of man is a source of suffering uh, in our lives. The fall of man. I've been asked countless times in ministry this question, why didn't God just from the get-go, why why didn't he create a world without pain, without suffering, without sin? Why didn't he just start off that way rather than us being where we are today? Why didn't he just start it all off without pain and suffering and sin? And, And the answer to that question is he did. Genesis chapter one, verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. God started off this planet without pain, without suffering, without sin. He created Adam and Eve. He gave them this perfect garden to live in. Everything was wonderful. They had a free will. They had a choice to make decisions on their own and everything was wonderful. Everything was great. And yet Adam and Eve, when it came to their free will, their choice, the Bible tells us that they fumbled the ball. They rebelled. They chose to go their own way. And the Bible says from that moment on, sin came into the world. Romans chapter five, verse 12 says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all have sin. So God created everything perfectly without sin, without pain, without suffering. And he gave us a free will. He gave us a choice. And our choice was to rebel, to turn against God. And that was how sin, pain, and suffering came into the world. Pastor Cliff Nectal put it this way. He said, when we human beings told God to shove off, he partially honored our request. Nature began to revolt. The earth was cursed. Genetic breakdown and disease began. And pain became a part of the human experience. Now, it's very easy then once we hear that to say, because we want to make this all God's fault anyway, okay, God, why didn't you then create us without a free will? Wouldn't that have been a whole lot easier? You started everything off and we messed it up, but wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier if you you just didn't give us a free will? If we we had not had the option to choose evil, well, then there wouldn't be pain and there wouldn't be suffering. So it's still kind of God's fault. So here's the answer to that question. Why did God give us a free will? Because the greatest value in all of the universe is love. Do you remember one day Jesus was asked this question? Some guys said, Jesus, um, if you had to narrow down like all of the commandments, all of the rules and regulations, if you had to narrow them all down to just, you know, kind of the bare bones, what, what would you say? You remember what Jesus said? He said, love God and love your neighbor. So basically the greatest, the greatest value in all of the universe is love. And the only way that this highest value of love can really be attained, can really be experienced, is for us to have free will. We have to be able to have the choice. We got to be able to choose love or not to love. Without that choice, it's not really love. Um, When I was a kid, my sister had a doll. And it was one of those dolls that would talk to you. You'd pull the string in the back and it had some pre-recorded things that it would say on the inside. So every time you'd pull the string, it would say something. Well, one of the things that the doll would say was, mommy, I love you. You'd pull the string and say, mommy, I love you. Now was a little bit creepy, but uh, she loved that little doll. Now let me ask you this question. When she would pull the string and the doll would say, mommy, I love you, did the doll really love my sister? Just go ahead and shake your head like this. It didn't. The doll didn't have a choice. It was pre recorded to say that. It didn't have the option. So the doll didn't really love my sister because it didn't have that choice. And for you to really express love, you must be able to have a choice. You've got to be able to, to not choose love as much as you do to choose love in order, in order for it to all be authentic. And so, when God created us, He created us with this free will, with this ability to choose to love Him or not. And you and I, human race, we abused that free will and we rejected God. And the result of that was the introduction of sin, of pain, of suffering into the world. My daughter Kinsey will be uh, 22 in a couple weeks. She's got a couple birthday coming up. She is an incredible young lady. She loves Jesus. She's beautiful. She's passionate about the things that she does. Now, imagine this. Imagine that my wife and I went to Kenzie and we said, um, we have picked out a boy for you to marry. Now, the wedding's gonna be in two weeks. It's on a Saturday. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, if you wanna meet the boy, you can. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, but you need to be here because uh, the, the, you don't really have a choice in the matter. This is when the wedding's gonna be. Now, this is a hypothetical story I'm telling you because there's no boy out there good enough to marry my daughter, okay? But this is a hypothetical story. Now, if that were to happen, would that be love? Shake your head like this. The answer is no, that would not be love because she didn't have a choice in the matter. She was forced to be there and forced to go through with the, the wedding. And that's not what love is. Love is only love when there is a choice to choose or not to choose, So for love to be loved, there has to be a choice, there has to be free will. And so when we chose not to follow God, we introduced the fall of man, we introduced sin, pain, suffering into the world. That was one source. There's another source of suffering in the world. And it's this, Satan is a source of suffering in the world. Satan. You see, the evil one, he was defeated at the cross. But he's allowed to roam, he's allowed to torment, he's allowed to tempt and to ridicule until the day of final judgment. The pain and suffering that we see in the Old Testament that came to Job, that was a result of Satan coming after him. Now, something I don't want you to forget. Satan is not more powerful than God. Satan even had to go to God to get permission from him in order to test Job's allegiance to God. But I want you to see 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Scripture says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So one source of pain and suffering in the world is the fall of man. Another one is Satan is a source of suffering. Here's number three. The consequences of sin is a source of suffering in the world. The consequences of sin, the, the results, the, 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 the things that happen as a result of us choosing sin. If you look in the Old Testament, uh, Miriam, she was an example of that. And you remember, uh, she challenged the authority of Moses and God struck her with leprosy. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, they were hypocritical, they lied, they, they cheated, and God struck them with death. And so sometimes the the consequences of our own actions, of our own sin, are the source of suffering. Somebody gets behind the wheel uh, of a car drunk. They injure someone, they kill someone. That's the consequences of a sin. Selfishness that leads to divorce, causing suffering for children. A father abuses his children. Lazy parents create financial problems for the entire family. As, As a matter of fact, someone has estimated that 95% of the suffering in in this world is a result of our sin or the sin of someone else. Let me give you an example. People look at at famine and and, and hunger across the world. And, And people will ask this question, where is God in all of this? I mean, how do little kids go to bed at night hungry, to the point where they would eventually die of starvation. How could God let something like that happen? I I mean, how does a God that is all loving and all powerful, how how does he allow something like that? Let me give you an answer. The truth is this, according to worldhunger.org, we produce on this planet enough food for every man, woman, and child to have more than enough food to survive. So there's enough food that we are already producing for everybody on the planet to have their fill. However, the United Nations Food and Ag Organization estimates that 815 million people across this planet suffer from malnutrition. So how is that possible? How is it possible that we already have enough food for everybody in the world to have enough and yet 815 million people go to bed hungry every night? It's selfishness. It's irresponsibility. It's misplaced priorities. Those are the reasons that people are starving when there's plenty of food to go around the world. And those things, listen to me, those things are not the results of a vindictive, angry God. They're the consequences of sin. And then we blame God for the suffering that comes our way. God why would you do this? God you're you're so unfair. People say stuff like this. God's so unfair. I got jail time for that DUI. God is so unfair. My wife took the kids because of my affair. God is so unfair. I got fired at work for stealing money. God is so unfair. But the suffering many times is simply a consequence of our sin or the sin of someone else. Scripture talks a lot about the consequences of sin. Psalm 141 says the wicked fall into their own net. Psalm 9 says the wicked are trapped by their own deeds. Proverbs 12 said the wicked have their fill of trouble. So there's the fall of man, there's Satan, there's the consequences of sin, Here's number four. Here's a a fourth source of pain and suffering in the world. God's glory can be a source of suffering. Now on the surface, you might be saying, what now, now hold on. God's glory is a source of pain and suffering in our life? It, It is. You remember the disciples back in John chapter nine? They were doing ministry one day, they're walking around and they see a blind man and uh, one of them says to Jesus, hey, you see that guy over there? He's blind. Who sinned? Who, whose sin caused this guy to be blind? Was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? Was it his grandparents' sin? Who was it that sinned to cause his blindness? And what did Jesus say? He said, none of them sinned. This man is blind so the glory of God can be Exhibited. Some suffering that comes into our life is for the sole purpose of God being glorified in our lives. Sometimes God allows suffering so that men and women can see God's glory and be pointed to him. I was talking to, a, 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 to some folks after the first service and they said, you know, that, that, that's one of the most difficult parts is when God allows suffering into our lives and it's for his glory because sometimes we think, God, this, this isn't fair but it's not about me. And I said, look at it this way. Maybe God sees you as so important and so credible that he trusts you enough to bring pain and suffering. Maybe it's a step back and say, thank you that you trust me enough. Maybe it's a step back and say, thank you that you trust me enough to go through this. One of the most incredible examples that I know of this is a guy by the name of David Ring, You may or may not have heard of David, but David at birth was dead for 18 minutes. As a result of that complication, David developed cerebral palsy. He inherited a life of pain, struggle, constant humiliation. By the age of 14, he was orphaned and was spent a great deal of his teenage life bouncing from home to home. But in 1973, David met Jesus. And Jesus radically changed, radically transformed his life. When you hear him speak, he's a little difficult to understand. It's a little difficult to understand what's coming out of his mouth. But since 1973, he has literally circled the globe telling the story of Jesus. And tens of thousands of people have heard him tell his story and thousands upon thousands have given their lives to Jesus and become followers of Jesus as a result of hearing his story. And you can step back and say, why would God allow him to go through years and years and years of pain and suffering and humiliation? I think the answer is so that God could be glorified in his life. So the glory of God could be exhibited. Exhibited. Sometimes there's this pain and suffering comes into our life just so that God can be glorified. There's the fall of man, there's Satan, there's the consequence of sin, there's God's glory. And then here's number five. Sometimes the source of suffering is God leading us to repentance. God leading us to repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse number 10 says this. For God sometimes uses sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and seek eternal life. Now, don't miss the last part of this verse. It said, we should never regret his sending it. That, that's a pretty radical statement. When God sends suffering into our life with the purpose of leading us away from uh, from sin and towards repentance, we should never regret that he sent that. Now, why? Because if it leads us to repentance, it it causes us to seek God and find God. And when it does, the joy of that is greater than anything that we've gone through. Now, I know those five things are a little bit heavy this morning. But those are some of the sources of pain and suffering. There's probably a, a, a sixth one that I could throw in there that just says sometimes pain and suffering is a mystery. Sometimes we just, we may not even know until we get to heaven why we went through pain and suffering. But I don't wanna leave you with that heaviness. I, I wanna leave you with some hope today. So let me give you something that you can take home with hope. And it's, it's this. God participates in your suffering. You don't go through it by yourself. God participates in your suffering. Let's look at a passage of scripture, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse number 26 says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony and with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Skip down to verse 38. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Let me show you just real quickly there on your notes. How does God participate in our suffering? First of all, God helps us in our weaknesses. He helps us in our weaknesses. He's there for us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Scripture tells us that he's a very present help in time of need. What else does he do? He gives us the Holy Spirit to pray for us. Have you ever been in such a deep, dark place that you said, I don't even know what to pray. I really don't. I don't know what words to say. I don't know what to come up with. If if I even had to pray, it would probably just be crying because I don't don't even know what to say. The Bible says when when you're there, when you've just got no words, the Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf. How else does God participate in our suffering? God works in everything for our good. God's got your best in mind. He desires good for you. And he can use the pain and he can use the suffering for his glory in your life. And then finally, God promises that there's nothing that can separate us from him. Nothing, not death, not anything. There's nothing that can separate us from his love. He says, I'm with you always. Now, I know that in a room this size, there are some people who you would say, I'm going through it right now. I'm experiencing pain. I'm experiencing suffering right now. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. There may be some other people that they're, they're over it. They've moved past it, but I'm, I'm in it right now. I wanna give you this. I wanna, I wanna give you three questions to ask yourself when you go through pain and suffering. They're not on your notes. They'll come up on the screen behind me. You may wanna take a picture with your phone. If you can write real fast, you can write these down. Here's three questions to ask yourself when you're going through a time of pain and suffering, when you're in the middle of it, okay? Here's number one. Does God know my situation? Does God know my situation? Because here's what tends to happen, at least in my life. When I'm going through a time of pain and suffering, you know what I say? God, where are you? Do you not know what's going on? Have you left me? Have you abandoned me? Do you not care? God, where are you? And I I want you to ask yourself this question. Does God know my situation? David said this in Psalm 139, oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know, when I sit down, you know, when I stand up, you know my thoughts, even uh, when I'm far away, you see me when I travel, when I rest, when I'm at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm gonna say even before I say it. So when you ask the question, Does God know my situation? The answer is yes. And that begins to bring you some comfort. That begins to bring you some peace. It leads you to question number two. Is this too hard for God to handle? If God knows what's going on, is what's going on in my life too much for him to handle? Look what God said to the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, chapter 32, Jeremiah. God said, I'm the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? The answer to that's no. So you ask yourself, does God know what's going on in my situation? The answer is yes. Is this too hard for God to handle? And the answer to that is no. And then the third question is, does God have a good plan for me? Jeremiah 29, 11 said, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for despair, to give you a future and a hope So yes, God has a good plan for you. So when you're right in the middle of pain, when you're right in the middle of suffering and you're struggling, you're saying, God, where are you? Does God know my situation? Yes, he does. Is this too hard for him? No, nothing's too hard for God. Does he have a good plan for me? Yes, he's got a good plan for you. And you can make it and you can get through it and you can get to the other side because you have a God that knows what's going on. You've got a God that is powerful enough to get you through it. And he's got a good plan for
0: you. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you'll join us again next time.